Now, uh, go back with me to um, Romans 15, and let's um, move along in the text. Um, as I told you, my, my, my desired goal is to finish up Romans before, the end, the, before I quit in May, uh, and I think, I think we'll be able to, chapter 16 will go very fast because it's nothing more than greetings and a list of names. And we'll um, spend a few weeks on that. But tonight we come to a section um, of Paul's letter, which is really, um, I don't think it's going to be one of your favorites, um, but it is interesting how he inserted it here. And let me read to you beginning at verse 25, and I'm going to read through verse 29, but I'm not going to cover 29. I don't want to, because I want to save 29 for next week. It it says some things that I want to spend some time on, but... So let me read just verses 25 through 29, and we'll cover 25, Lord willing, through 28. Here we go. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. Uh, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Guys, um, last week uh, the whole emphasis was on um, Paul's um, determination to 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 do this work that he did so well, that work of evangelism. We talked about that uh, a a good good deal last week. But one of the things that I said last week is that it was interesting for me that Paul was was willing to set aside something that his which which was his primary calling, which was uh, the advancement, church planning, et cetera, et cetera. He was willing to delay that, um, verse 25. Um, However, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the... He was... it, It was... Um, bringing aid to the to the poor uh, or the needy, whatever, um, was of such urgency to Paul that he was willing to set aside even the things that he considered of utmost importance because this was something that everything else was moved to the side until he completed this. This had to be done, and then he says, as soon as that's done, then I'll I'll go to Spain uh, by first having visited you in uh, in Rome. So. Um, I say that to open because this section of, of the book of Romans uh, in this letter, um, the main lesson of these uh, few verses <laughs> has to do with the subject that I don't think is particularly uh, a fond one uh, to, to God's people. Maybe it is, but um, it has to do with Paul's uh, insistence upon charitable giving. Uh, primarily to the poor, which is not something that's on the top of our agendas as um, as believers. I don't. Maybe it is. I, I hope it is. But that's what this section is about. I mean, if you'll read it, you'll you'll see that. I mean, they were pleased to do it. I mean, um, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution with the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. And at least, oh, you know, all that business is about um, um, a charitable gift that was made from one church to the Jerusalem church to alleviate the needs of the poor. 
So that's what we're going to discuss tonight, because that's what the text discusses. Uh, or discusses. Um, now, guys, um, one of the beauties of believing the way I do, <laughs> that is, one of the beauties of grace is that you can be honest about who you are. You don't have to, you don't have to protect yourself and your image. You don't have to protect, um, you don't have to uh, pretend that you're holier than you're not, than you are. Uh, you can, you can honestly admit as to, to what, what, uh, what things really trouble you and what things really bother you. I mean, you can be honest. You don't have to worry about, uh, staging some kind of appearance for other folks' consumption. Well, I, I say that to say this. Most of us are pretty dadgum protective over our stuff. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many of us have guns easily in reach of where we sleep so that should our stuff be threatened, that we could guard our stuff. Now, now and very frankly, maybe it's not your stuff that you're guarding. Maybe you're wanted to, uh, but, but, but the point is, is, is the same. We're pretty protective of our stuff. Or in a word, we're pretty selfish. <laughs> you know, um, one of the great doctrines that, that we believe around here, and that most of you, uh, is the doctrine of total depravity. That is, that we're born into the world, ill-prepared to leave it. Um, you know, when we, we raised our three girls, um, you, you know, our three girls didn't have a chance. They had such a horrible example as a father. That would be me. I mean, um, you know, they didn't, they learned a lot of how not to do it, you know. Um, but there's a couple of things that I didn't teach them. I didn't teach them how to lie. And I didn't need to teach them how to be selfish. Because it's just a part of the ravages of the fall. We're pretty consumed with self. It's just a part of, of what it means to be a sinner, to be fallen. We're, um, said nicely, we're pretty protective of our stuff. Said not nicely, we're selfish. Now, um, to, um, to overcome that and to be generous... Um, that's something that's a learned skill. It's something that's taught. I, I say that to say this, uh, or I say that for, out of the, for Macedonia and Achaia. You know what Macedonia and Achaia was? <laughs> Those were Gentile churches. Um, where did they learn to be concerned about the poor saints in Jerusalem? Where do you think they learned that? Well, Paul taught them that. Um... For most of us, generosity does not come naturally to who we are. It's a learned skill. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that we have to be taught. You know, one of the things I, um, I, I just really harp on when it, in premarital counseling is, is communication. And I've got this book in my, my library, and, it, and the title of the book is Communication, the Key to Marriage. And so um, every time a little couple comes in, I, I bring out that book and... And, um, and I cover up the, uh, the communication. That's the title. Of the, the title of the book is communication. The subtitle is the key to marriage. And I cover up uh, the word uh, communication. And I, I'll, I'll only let them see the key to marriage. And then I say, okay, um, what do you think is the key to marriage? What do you think is the subject of this book? 
And, of course, we get some pretty <laughs> uh, erroneous answers. Uh, uh, and you can imagine what, what, what the, the males usually say is the key to the marriage. And, and I, you know, usually very sweetly jump across the desk and say, No! And I say that communication is the key to marriage, you know, and, 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 and my point simply is, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not a communicator, you can learn to communicate. It's a learned skill. You can learn how to do that. And so you don't, you don't like to talk. Well, you can learn to talk. You can learn to communicate. Well, you can, if you're not generous, you can learn to be generous. It's, a, it's, just, it's not something that comes naturally to most of us. It's something that, that Paul taught the uh, um, Macedonians and he teaches it in the New Testament. We're going to look at a little bit of it tonight. But it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a learned skill. And I want you to notice what he does in this section when he brings up this subject. He starts by mentioning the generosity of other Christians. He's writing to Rome, or the church at Rome, but he mentions the Macedonians and the Achaeans. Um, he uses them as an example you know, I've really struggled with that whole notion as to uh, what I should do uh, as the leader of a flock. You know, um, the New Testament says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And, you know, that's a, a Sermon on the Mount principle. And yet David, David uh, stood before Israel and told Israel, told Israel everything that he was giving. And I've wondered, what, where is the balance there? But uh, all I'm saying is that what, when, when Paul gets ready to promote this to the Roman church, he mentions the good example that has been set by the Macedonians. Now, let me tell you why this is such a good example. Do you remember, guys, um, um, back in chapter 14? You remember 14. That was four years ago uh, when we were in chapter 14. You remember back in 14, and the whole the, there was this big conflict about the strong and the weak. Remember all that? Remember, um, uh, Paul was having to plead with the so-called strong to be kind to the so-called weak. And the so-called strong were the people who had come out of Judaism and they carried all this mosaic tradition. And, and uh, you know, they evaluate everybody, everybody by their mosaic tradition. And, and so they'd look down their noses at some people because, you know, those people, they drink a glass of wine. You know, and, I mean, he, by the way, he mentions wine. And in, in, I didn't make that up in, in, in chapter 14. And so there was this, this conflict between um, uh, uh, Jewish converts and Gentile converts. Because the Jewish converts still had all that Moses stuff. I mean, I, I, I don't want to depreciate Moses. He's wonderful. They had all that legalism stuff that was still swirling around in their theological systems. And so when, they, when, the, when the Gentiles came in there, and they're just, ah, this is great. Um, the, 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 the Jewish Christians were... And so Paul writes this section of his letter, and he says, wait a minute. You know, you need to back off on, on, um, on these so-called weak folk. You know? Well, here's the point. There's this, there's this conflict early on in the church that existed between Jewish converts and Gentile converts. Right? Right. But who is it that's giving to whom in this text? It's the Gentile Christians that are giving to the Jerusalem church, a church heavily populated by ex-Jews. And so you've got this, this conflict, and yet when need arose, who is it that stepped forward to give? You know, guys, um, in the Roman Empire, um, the Roman Empire 
uh, dominated whole sections of the world. And so all of the tax money flowed towards Rome. And so the closer you get to Rome, the, the, the wealthier you are. Jerusalem was always poor. The church in Jerusalem was always struggling. And so what you see here is Gentiles supporting their Jewish brothers who look down their long, bony noses at them concerning their behavior. That's, that's kind of pretty. That's kind of... I mean, you know, in the, in the, in the, if you want to dispel some, uh, some prejudices, just do something like that. And the, and the Jewish Christians will say, where did this money come from? Where did this aid come from? It came from those people that we despised? Is that right? So, so what you're really getting here, guys, is a, is a great um, model. It's so interesting that the money is flowing from the Gentiles to the Jews, not the other way around. Now, I, I mean, I'm talking about converted Jews, the church at Jerusalem, not the Jewish church, but the, the fledgling Christian church in, in Jerusalem. That's how it was, um, it was flowing. That's the first thing that he says. First thing that he says is, uh, let me tell you about how marvelously these Macedonians and Achaeans have been uh, to give their money. And then notice this. He uses the word pleased. By the way, he uses it twice. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased um, to make a contribution with the board. They were pleased. You know, guys, um, uh, you've heard this text. I'm, we're going to look at it in a minute, but... Um, um, it's in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, it's 8 or 9, I think it's 9. But um, um, the old King James was, and God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> a cheerful giver. These folks were cheerful. They were pleased. You know, I don't know if you know this part of the story of the, the history of Grace of Anne, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, Gracie Van was starting, and um, uh, I mean, I had just been told that I no longer had a job, and you better go get it started because you don't have any income coming in. So, so I'm thinking this is right after Christmas, and and Susan and I are thinking, well, that's a nice treat. And so um, I get this phone call from this man, and he says, um, "Listen, I, I'd like to give your new church ten thousand dollars." And he says, uh, "Have you incorporated yet?" And I said, um, what does that mean? <laughs> no, no, I haven't, but I sure will get it done real quick. Um, and I called an attorney friend. I said, what do I have to do to incorporate? And so he told but all that to say this, you have to name the corporation. You know what I named it? Hilarion. That's the Greek word that is translated cheerful. The first corporate name of Grace Ivan was the word hilarion. In fact, it's my password in some of my, if you want to use my bank accounts, uh, it's hilarion is, uh, is in my passwords or codes or whatever those things are. Of course, if you're on GOL, you've been scared spitless uh, by you know Chris Carroll and uh, telling us about it, we need to change our passcodes and all that. <laughs> anyway, that's off the subject. But the, the point is, uh, Paul says, uh, let me tell you about these Gentiles that gave to the Jews, and let me tell you that they were pleased to do it. 
that's what, I mean, he's underscoring the fact that, I mean, these people didn't, well, here. All right, here. Just give it to them then. No. And ladies and gentlemen, I would suggest to you that if God says he loves cheerful giving, then any other kind of giving is really not giving. Just, just forget it. <laughs> um, I don't know which is the bigger deal. Whether it was the fact that Gentiles were giving it to Jews or whether they were pleased. I don't know which one of those two to emphasize the most. But I can tell you they're both in there. They were pleased. They were pleased to do this giving. Um, by the way, look at verse 25. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. That word aid, uh, it, it, it's the Greek word. And, I, and I've, I started to write this up there to just prove to you once again that I have a seminary education. But um, it's, it's a familiar word. It's the word diakonia. You know, uh, you get the word deacon out of that word. Um, in fact, some of your translations um, will have the word serve as opposed to the word aid. If you look down in 16.1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant. It's the same word that you find up here in verse 25 that's translated aid. It's, the, it's in the same cognate family as the word diakonia. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a word for deacon. But um, what they did is that they served. Um, all Christians are deacons in that sense. Or at least supposedly. Caring for other people is supposed to be part of our job. It's, um, it's one of those expressions of our realization that we have been served. We have been aided by the Lord Jesus, by Christ. And in, in response to that, we find serving um, a, a part of our uh, our program. I'm proud of our format as a, as a collection of God's people. Um, these, these Gentile Christians, I, I mean, just, just think about this. These Gentile Christians were pleased to serve Jews. There's a lot in that little sentence right there. Gentile believers who, well, y'all don't like us, do you? I mean, you don't like us because we're, you know, a little bit wild and crazy. And, uh, and uh, you don't like us, and, but we're going to serve you. And guess what? We're just pleased as much to do it. That's a lot said. That's a mouthful. Because every little part of that, that is, uh, you know, I know you don't like us, but we're going to serve you anyway. And we're really, I mean, where do we fall on that spectrum? Huh? In terms of charitable giving. Where are we? Well, um, again, how did they learn that? Paul taught them that. Um, though, <laughs> very honestly, I, I think people would rather not be taught about charitable giving. Because, again, we're, um, we're very protective of our stuff. <laughs> now, there's, a, there's something else I want you to see in the text, which is really, um, it's really hard for me to talk about. It's hard because, um, because I, I so want 
I so want you to taste of the beauties of grace. And so many of you um, have come from legalistic backgrounds. And, um, and, I, and I think when you step into a world where you're set free, it really tastes good. Often, however, uh, you know, a pendulum never swings, you know, and stops in the middle. It usually swings all the way over here. Oh, okay. Well, with that in mind, I want you to see what he says in verse 27. They were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it. They owe it. Keep reading. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spirit, they ought. You know, I I mentioned this. I, I forget when it was. It seemed like several months ago, or maybe... But the, the Apostle Paul is, is the person from whom we get definitions of grace. He's the one that teased that thing all out for us, you know? I mean, if you, if you love the grace, just being set free by the finished work of Christ, if you love that, um, Paul is the one that, you know, kind of, kind of defined that for us. Well, my point is simply this. In that thing called grace, there are some oughts. That's what's hard for me to say. There are some oughts. O-U-G-H-T-S. Oughts. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's just being too legal. Well, the Apostle Paul didn't think so. This whole idea here that's being, that's a part of his letter to the Roman church on this subject of, of um, charitable giving is an ought. I like that. Not a, not a, not an option. An ought. They owe it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that the apostle of grace includes that word in his whole presentation? So, uh, all I'm saying is, um, well, what I'm saying, or one of the things I'm saying is, um, the beauties of grace do not set me free from duties. Not as many as the legalistic guys want to tell me I got, but there are duties involved in being a lover of grace. There are oughts, and you find one of them right here. Grace makes me a debtor. How about that? (laughs) Um, It makes me a debtor to those who have need. Um... Okay, buckle up. We owe the poor. Because we owe Christ. Not because our wealth is evil and we're supposed to, mm, we're not supposed to, none of that. It is in response to His being wealthy who became poor 
so that I who was poor might become wealthy. We owe it. We owe it to the poor, ladies and gentlemen. Um, There's a sense in which... These words come so hard. (laughs) We repay the debt to Christ by being generous to others. That's hard for a man who loves grace to say, um, but that's a part of what the text says. Um, Now, guys, let me... um, I've got nine minutes left. Um, Let me do this real quick because um, I want to give you more of Paul's um, uh, instructions over this subject. Uh, And some of them, I think, are... um, are just really precious and delightful. Um, and, and his treatise on this subject is really found in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So go over there real quick, and let me spend eight minutes now uh, on that, and then we're, we'll be done for the night. But um, um, I, I want you to know how Paul does, uh, notice how Paul does this. Um, um, now, by the way, if you've got a Bible like mine, if you'll notice those little black words right above, right above the eight, Encouragement to give generously. <laughs> that's what this is over here. That's why we're going over here, okay, to see a little bit more about what he says. And I want you to know, notice what he does. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. We want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of... Look at there. There's Macedonia again. Now, notice what he says about the Macedonians again. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, they have overflowed in a wealthy of, wealth of generosity on their part. What? What? Wait a minute. Out of their extreme poverty? Out of their abundance of joy? And their extreme poverty, they have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Wait a minute. I thought if you were, if you were really having a tough time uh, 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 financially, you're supposed to keep it all for yourself. Well, the Macedonians did. The Macedonians didn't do that. Um, no, 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 no. Um, by the way, neither did Jesus. In fact, in the midst of his greatest amount of poverty, he was concerned that the Father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it wasn't poverty that made him terminate on himself. It was poverty that made him turn on his enemies, or, or turn towards his enemies. Um, but keep reading. Um, let me find this. Um, oh, there it is. Um, oh, in the middle of three. As I can testify beyond their means uh, of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Where, does, where is that in the 21st century church? Oh, please, Jimmy, please, please let me, let me impoverish myself so that the poor, you know, in 40 years of ministry, nobody's ever said that to me. And, um, but they gave, now here's what I want you to see. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Um, I, I just wanted you to see that, um. It all starts, ladies and gentlemen, it all starts when I give myself to the Lord Jesus. That's where it starts. Um, 
Guys, in my mind, um, giving that is out of guilt or out of duty does not qualify as Christian giving. It might be giving, but it's not Christian giving. Um, giving to the government is a duty. <laughs> not giving to the Lord Jesus. Guys, um, we are people, aren't we? Aren't we people that um, give out of grace? Um, look at verse 9 in chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Guys, um, the only thing that I think qualifies as Christian giving is a giving that is motivated because I'm overwhelmed by the beauty of what Jesus Christ has given to me. That, ladies and gentlemen, is simply living out of the gospel. How do I... How do I how do I learn generosity? Will I go gaze upon the generous one? How, do, how does somebody teach generosity? They just point to the generous one. Um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he's rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor. Um, that, ladies and gentlemen... That is the whole motive of it all. You know, we, we don't say much about this around here, and, and I wouldn't have said it tonight except it's in the text. <laughs> um, what we talk a lot about is simply grace, is simply the gospel. Um, you know, I did a whole series years ago, um, and, and I had one half of a verse that was my text, and I preached six weeks on it. I think it was six. It might have been seven. It's one half of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And the, the one half that I preached goes like this. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You get that? The life that I now live, this one, the life that I now live, this one, the one I'm living right now, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. What was Paul's motive for all that he did? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The reason, ladies and gentlemen, that I don't talk much about this subject is because I talk about that one a lot. And once you get that one, then smaller things, which I think giving is, takes care of itself. I, I, I genuinely believe that, ladies and gentlemen. And I think if you've been around here long enough, you know um, that I believe that. Um, here, here's the lesson, ladies and gentlemen. You, you, you want to say, well, you know, uh, Dr. Young's really put his finger on some other problem of mine tonight. I mean, because I'm really a selfish person. 
Let me tell you how to get unselfish. Go look at the, the selfless one. Um, yeah, well, I'm generous. I'm not very generous. I need to be generous. How do, how do I get out of that? Well, just go look at the generous one. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I keep going back to that and returning to that and returning to that and returning to that. That Jesus was rich, but he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make me who was poor rich. The rest of it is easy. I shouldn't say that. I don't mean that. It's not easy. But things begin to change. When I get overwhelmed by the beauty. The beauty of what the Lord Jesus has accomplished in my place. That's our motive, ladies and gentlemen. It's the motive for the life that I now live. All of it, including my giving. Our Father, I I do pray that you would um, give us a fresh glimpse of the beauty of what Christ has accomplished for us. It's it's the only thing that will change our ethics. Um, Scolding, begging, um, pleading, none of it will work, oh God. The only thing that will work is that when we find great beauty in what Christ has done on our behalf, that when... um, when Calvary becomes bigger for us, then the soul expands. And all of these other items, though instruction perhaps may be needed, they, um, they more quickly and readily fall into line, fall into place. So, Father, um, as the Apostle Paul has said, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, Yet for our sake, he has become poor so that we um, could, by his poverty, become rich. Would you make that something that is a part of the very center and heart of our whole spiritual experience? We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.